0: Welcome, everybody, to episode number two of Beers in the Lot. Tonight, uh, we got a good show for you. We're going to talk about the uh, Toronto and Pittsburgh trade with Casper Kapanen, uh, um, a little bit of the shakeup in D.C. with coaching staff, and uh, bubble fatigue. So, uh, without further ado. All right, guys. How y'all doing tonight? Ready to talk some doing hockey? good. Good, oh, man. How's it going? It's going all right. Howdy. All right. I'm ready to get this beer. Y'all ready? Yes. Let's
1: go. Let's do it. There
0: we go. All right. So what's going on in the hockey world? He's got something to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) We've been talking on on our text chat or my, our group chat for all day about a million things, contracts, trades, big trades going on. we want to talk, talk uh, the Pittsburgh trade real fast. Just hit on it real quick.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So we can break that down. So the Penguins got a player they initially traded a few years ago for Phil Kessel. Um, Phil Kessel is long and gone, unfortunately. So we brought the key piece and the Toronto side of it, Kasperi e. and back. Um, unfortunately, the Pens had to give up a first-rounder to do so. Um, and there were some prospects. Helinder. Yeah, Helinder was involved. I'm on, you know. How do you say his name? I couldn't Hollander. Philip. Yeah, Hollander I've, I've, or Hollander. Hollander. I've I've seen Halinder and Hollander, okay. so I'm gonna go with Halander Okay. Um, <laughs> was that was that the guy that Aaron's been trying to trade on his BGM? Mode? Yeah.
0: I can't trade him in my NHL BGM mode. It just won't. I don't know. I can put him in lines, but you're, no Jim, contract. For, you're no Jim Rutherford. no I have no JR. Right.
2: <laughs> That's true. He, he made that. He made the move, but I actually think you know you kind of talk about it from two sides. And I won't dig too deep into it really quick about, you know, a trade that helps both sides of the of the coin in the hockey world. And if you're Kyle Dubas, it frees up $3.2 million in cap space, which for them at the Leafs, you know, this is the second year in a row where they traded a third line cog. Last year was Kadri this year is Capitan. So their third line from two years ago, uh, pretty much gone. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that extra money for the Pens. They actually get rid of Evan Rodriguez, which is one less restricted free agent, and they get somebody to, you know, kind of like almost like a Matt Cullen type, a lot younger, where he can go up and down the lineup, play multiple situations, and hopefully fill one of the spots between Gino and Sidney's line. Hopefully, that's my yeah. That's my hope. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say I. I think we saw that uh, today. People were were uh, guessing where he was going to land and he he looked like he was going to land on either the first or second line. So I think that would be a nice speedy guy in the bottom six.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree. I think uh, like the trade makes a lot of sense for both sides. Like you were saying, John Um, uh, I think Kapanen probably fits best with Crosby. I mean, you guys are the Pittsburgh guys. I don't really know, but, um, I think he probably fits best with, with Crosby, and then you can kind of get that. Uh, I know the Pens fans dream of putting Malkin and Russ together and maybe Zucker or something like that. So I like that. Um, I want to go back to Hollander or Hollander or whatever his name is.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. because, uh,
1: call because he – so. <laughs> the The first round pick for Toronto is great because they were out of the first round in this draft coming up, and so now they get back into the first round. They they're definitely targeting defensemen, I think, right? Because everybody says they need more D. Um, but Halinder, uh, uh, I think, is very interesting because everything that I read about him, and I didn't know anything about the kid until today is he was considered like a top three prospect for Pittsburgh, right? And everything I read about him too, uh, you know, various uh, interviews that he did recently and in the past, you know, he was kind of um, projecting himself as a power forward in the, in the uh, vein as like of, of uh, Patrick Hornquist almost. So um he actually mentioned it himself that he, he looks to a player like that and he, he wants to model his game after Hornquist. So I thought that was kind of interesting and especially, you know, with everything that we hear about Toronto, like they need to be they need to be tougher and they need to get to the middle of the ice more and they need to get to the front of the net. Like if, if they're picking up a young player like that that still has I think two years left on his entry level deal, um that's a that's a major ad for them, um, but like I told you guys earlier today, uh, Pittsburgh adding Kapanen like that immediately helps Malkin and Crosby. Um, mm-hmm. That's a that's a huge deal
2: for them. Well, and the other thing too, it depends on the prospect side. They have Nathan Laguerre and Sam Pullen up front, uh, two really mm-hmm. great prospects for them. They got them kind of lower round, um, you know, almost value picks you know especially those late first round early second round guys you can find some steals there if people under or overvalue certain players um and then on the defensive side they have joseph and Hollander, and unfortunately from what i was kind of reading they really prefer joseph in that role so we'll see you know how how everything shakes up as the the prospects switch uh the athletic had something where they ranked the the last two, you know, kind of in the farm system, if you will, kind of what TSN does every year. Anyone want right. to guess what teams were 30 and 31? Pittsburgh and Washington. <laughs> no. So, so,
1: so, so yeah. they're depleted. <laughs> they're very depleted.
2: So, so for those, so especially for Pittsburgh, where they can, you know, you talk about that window, if you will, they're getting a player that can play mm-hmm. now. They're not, they're not waiting hopefully yeah. for a year or two. I think with some of the forwards that Toronto has, you know, they can buy a little time, but also with the first round and looking for a D guy quick, you know, you could flip that first round pretty quick for a deal guy, maybe even package one of their high level forwards, because I don't think Kyle Dubas is done. I really don't at this point. Yeah. Yeah. That's early.
1: Yeah. I agree with
2: that for sure. Uh, And he's got a
0: lot of room to make up, too, because, uh, He's got guys on long term IR helping him out with the salary cap, but he's he's got a ways to go. <laughs> he's still in the ninety million like kinda area, and he's got a ways to go if he wants to get down under eighty two.
1: Right. Well, I think Toronto'll
0: figure that out. Yeah, they'll
1: they, figure it out. But. They can make it work and I, well, they've also they have a lot of moves to make too, right? I mean they they probably need to make a lot of moves in their bottom six. Um we know they're looking for D. What are they gonna do with Frederick Anderson? I mean, are mm-hmm. they gonna run him out of town <laughs> because, you know, they couldn't do what they were supposed to do, um in the playoffs? I mean, I yeah, I, I think I think you're right. Like Dubis's uh short summer here is gonna be very short and very, very busy. Um yeah.
2: And especially with a team like that you have forward depth, you know, between Kerfoot, Nylander, rumor on the street is both of those guys are expendable. So to get a D-man that they're looking for, potentially you got the assets to move. It's more of a who wants to be a dance partner with you at this point? Because D-men, especially solid ones, you know, Morgan Riley, I do think he is a number one D. Um, Jake Muzzin, I think, is very capable for them. But after that, Cody Cece. I mean, he missed the net by 50 feet. That gif was everywhere. It was fantastic. Um, <laughs> but, but, but really, I mean, they have Rasmus Sandin who looks like he's probably capable, you know, almost similar to the Pens with uh, UC Ricola, you know, kind of a younger kid, but definitely needs a little time. So we'll see what happens with Toronto, but we're going to be a Toronto <laughs> podcast by the end of the day, I'm sure at some point. Toronto and <laughs> <or> Colorado. <laughs> <Yeah>. mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be so funny. Yeah. Number one Toronto Leaf podcast. <laughs> Run by three Pittsburgh guys and a Washington guy. <laughs> Vancouver was another team I went down the stats of. You watch. You watch. My boy Brock. Gotta look out for him.
1: Brock Besser.
2: The other thing too that ticks me off, I was reading like all that, you know, pens nonsense. Oh, they gotta need to get rid of their fucking first round or all stuff. I'm like, we would have lost it anyway. The only difference is we decided yeah. to keep it this year. And yeah. and sorry, I hate to be a dick. Like a player like that, like the Pens actually need. Like if we had to include Johnson in that, like some people were like, you should have just chucked in Johnson. We probably would have had to give up 15 first round draft picks. Toronto needs D, but they don't need him that bad. Like, they don't need him,
1: right? They don't need. They don't him. want
2: him. Yeah. Yeah. They, they don't. don't want they guys. have. Yeah, they
1: need a player. They want guys that can skate.
2: Yeah, they like, actually. I think, you know, the one thing after watching some of Montreal and then watching, um, who was I watching? Thirty options. Actually, really only like twenty-three. Only twenty. I, I I can't remember the other goalie. <laughs> I, was I can't remember the other goalie I was talking to last night. Frederick Anderson never handles the puck. How much if that? If a guy that handles the puck. Would help that would them.
1: Help. Yeah. Cause then they could do quick ups with their, you know, speedy guys up front. Yeah.
2: And if you notice Carrie Price, even in the Philly series, I mean, granted, they're not having their you know, their way with it. Some of those quick shit, Carrie Price is just getting back there, it's done. The four check's over. Yeah. It's an, yeah, yeah. It's it's done.
1: because yeah, he can control the puck and move it to the yeah. other at least to the other corner, you know. Yeah. And yeah.
2: Yeah, I think
0: uh, and I feel Jari, like that's something that every goalie really should be should have, like every skill a skill that every goalie should have in the because it see, makes such a huge do, difference. These days. But see, yeah. The guys that be- the
2: guys that do it well, it's it's probably something they've done forever. So to them it's just whatever. But when they're younger
1: Yeah.
2: I mean
0: like you can't teach there, a goalie to start playing the puck in the NHL. You definitely can't. There, Eric if and I. Coach if they're kids. a
2: stay-at-home goalie, then it's it's not happening. How many how many kids are their dads are probably just hitting them with pucks all summer?
1: Yeah, they <laughs> <Like>. just throw <laughs> they just throw pucks <laughs> at them, or they throw tennis balls at them, and they make them yeah you know ca- catch them with their hand or like hit them with their hands or whatever. No, yep. like none of them are like telling them, Hey, uh, you should work on your skating too. And yeah, right. Oh, by the way, you should work on your stick handling. And Oh, by the way, you should work on your passing too, which is why like in the, in the stuff that I run, uh, we don't have full-time goalies. Like they, yeah. in in practice, they, they, if they're going to play goalie that week, they'll practice as goalie that week. And we have or we've had a goalie coach that remains to be seen going into this season, but um, we've always had like a a really good goalie coach available to us that worked with them specifically on that kind of stuff. But then on the weeks where those kids weren't going to play in goal in their games that weekend, we have them skate with everybody else, just like any other player, you know? And like, it helps. Like the the goalie has – they need to be one of your best players. They're gonna be on the ice for the entire game. So right. they okay. better they better know how to like skate and like use their stick and move the puck and yeah. you know.
2: Well, even as something as simple as like some of those like weird power you know, power play where the penalty killer will dump it, you know, through the zone, it trickles back and maybe goes to the top of the circles in your defensive zone. If you got a goalie who's really heads up on that and they come up. They could chuck a sauce pass to the other blue line in the in yeah. that breakout. It's not a breakout, and if anything, it's almost like a, a full press at that point. You know, you, right. that yeah. other team, especially in the second period or first period of overtime, since we're in the playoffs, there's no change at that point. You you have effectively yeah, th- like shrunk the ice for them.
1: Yeah, I think um, like if you look at the modern game, right. Uh, it's all about how fast can you get out of your zone and how fast can you traverse the neutral zone and enter the offensive zone um if you have a goalie that's back there that can chuck that puck um at least out of your zone uh if not you know to the offensive blue line like that's a that's a huge asset
0: so yeah, without a doubt on the subject of power plays and breakouts. When, when is somebody going to come up with something better than we're going to put three guys (laughs) at the blue line and then we're going to drop past to the uh, trailing D and then he's going to carry? Somebody's got to come up with, I I know why it's done that way, but it's it's so boring to see it every single time. Every team does it. And it's every single zone entry. It's just, well, there are teams that do
1: it well and there are teams that don't do it well right
0: well there's players that do it well and players that don't cuz if you give it to the right guy then he can get in the zone you give it to the wrong yeah. guy it's going to get turned over <laughs> and it's going back the other way i'm
1: always i'm always a big proponent of let's uh let's get let's get on our on our wheels and let's skate through the neutral zone and let's gain the zone by skating through the neutral zone whether it's 5 on 5 even strength or or we're on a man advantage situation, I think. And, you know, if you're, if you're interested in the numbers, um, the numbers prove that you're going to, you're going to end up with more uh, shots for more high danger chances, more time in the offensive zone, if you're able to skate it in under control. So, That whole slingshot thing is supposed to promote that, right? So you, you bring the puck up and you wait for the penalty killers or the defenders to kind of, you know, suck towards the puck. And then that should open up a lane for the trailing guy who picks up that pass to, you know, go ahead and skate in. The problem is, like, it's too easy to read, right? Like, everybody knows the guy that's skating right up the middle of the ice with the puck kind of slowly is going to drop it back to the guy that skated all the way back to his own goal line and then came, from, came up. Yep. Right. So everybody knows what's going on. They either really heavily pressure that, that first puck carrier or they sit on the drop pass and
0: You can only do so much for that because if they don't make the drop pass and just go, just blow past you, then it's a four on three.
1: Yeah, but you still got, yeah, you still got help back there. And a lot of teams, what they'll do is they'll actually stack those three players on the blue line. Right. So they'll just line up on the blue line like a wall inside the dots and basically tell you, like, hey, we'll give you the lane to the outside. You could skate into our zone on the outside, but you cannot do it through the middle. Right. Whether you drop pass or not.
0: And so, I guess really the question is, is when is somebody going to come up with a better defensive scheme that the drop pass to drop back to the trailer guy is not going to work anymore? Like when that gets beaten, then it already does the other other stuff.
1: If you look at, I mean, look at Washington, like it doesn't work. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't. Again, well, it like depends the, on who you're giving reason, it. To. <laughs> the reason why their power play failed in the playoffs is because they could they couldn't execute it. The reason why their power play failed in the playoffs in 2019 was because they couldn't execute it anymore. It worked for them two years ago, two and a half years ago.
2: You could say the same thing about Pittsburgh. Yeah, they always drop oh, it, it back out. to Latang or Malkin and hasn't been working yeah what
1: happens is i think those two teams i don't think they do it with enough speed i think like what i observers bias right but what i think i see happen is the the original puck carrier that's coming up the middle of the ice and is going to execute the drop pass they're kind of like moseying up the middle of the ice and they get they get to the blue line and everybody knows they're going to pivot and drop it right and the guy that's coming as that trailer doesn't have enough speed either if if they're both moving at speed like a good team probably to watch do it is tampa because they do it with a little bit of speed um, that, especially that trailer, once they pick up the puck, um, no matter what lane they're in, right, left or middle, they're moving up the ice at speed. Um, it's hard to stop them from getting all the way through the neutral zone and entering your zone then.
2: Well, and the I other thing thats too, the key. yeah, the other thing too about Tampa that, and they do it so well is they're really key to pick up on the weak side, you know, they'll, they'll pick the yeah. weak side lane you look at kind of Pittsburgh and the caps and like you said, you know, kind of we're observing them specifically. So we're always picking on them on that stuff, but they're yeah. almost going right to the center. Dot Letang or Carlson is turning around and almost making yeah. a straight backwards pass <laughs> to his buddy. Yeah. You look at yeah. Tampa and some of the other teams that executed really well. It's, it is a drop pass in the essence of these going backwards, but it's not always a drop pass. A lot of times it's, to the other side of the ice on the weak side where it almost catches the other yeah. team in a foot race or something That's where a it's a, point. you know, kind of a, it creates another two on one to get into the zone at least. And then from there, yeah, it's kind it's, of your basic setup.
1: Instead of a static, you know, drop pass play, even if, even if they were skating forward, um, they're kind of making that diagonal pass uh, almost parallel to their blue line, right? Hitting that guy with speed coming on that lane on the weak side of the ice. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point.
2: Well, and then you even kind of watched it tonight uh, on the Blake Coleman goal. It wasn't a um, you know a power play or anything, but Bogosian got the puck on the weak side and skated all the way up the ice. Then he walked Tori yeah. Krug and Carlo, and I guess a lot of people. You know, it's kind of funny. I sent you guys a clip of the interview. He goes, "Oh, when's the last time you went end to end?" And he just cheekishly kind of went, "Oh, yesterday in practice." I mean, they're all <laughs> yeah, NHL because- players. They all yeah. do that. Yeah. They all do that stuff just yeah. because in a game doesn't yeah. mean you know yeah. they'll do it. it. Just sometimes happens to do with the deployments and everything. But but in that in that
1: situation, right? Like I think you know Boston kind of gets caught on one side of the ice, and they give Bogosian the lane um, up that right side. And they basically give' him, they give' him the exit out of their end, they give him the whole neutral zone, and then they give him the controlled entry into their zone and then after that, guess what there there was going to be at least one chance against Boston, if not another one because that's just the, that's the way it averages out if you're able to to make a controlled entry into the zone that's why well, I'm yeah. always like. Skate it and don't dump it if you can help it,
2: yeah, and they were almost past the uh that Stanley Cup logo almost at the middle of the point there too, <clears throat> by the time Krug yeah. and Carlo kind of made their first contact, but yeah, but yeah, so Riggs, tell us about what happened in Washington this week <laughs>
1: <laughs> so John John apparently was very busy this week and didn't <laughs> know that the Washington capitals uh parted ways with. Todd Reardon their <laughs> head coach after 2 years of uh you know some uh he he was fairly successful in the regular seasons both regular seasons where he was head coach uh and then obviously two disappointing first round playoff exits um so you know it there's been a lot of talk in like cap's fan circles about was it all todd's fault is it a combination of him not pushing the right buttons and uh the whole situation with you know the the format of return to play and bubble hockey and uh, are were were players motivated to play in that were they ready to play physically and mentally there's a lot of question in both traditional and new caps media you know uh about were players in shape you know did they work out enough like all these kind of questions and things um if you really look at how the season went uh they had a decent season. They should have been in the playoffs under normal circumstances. They should have been a contender under norm- normal circumstances, but it was a very up and down season and there were troubling signs at certain points in the season that maybe um, they were not at a level where like they were going to make a conference finals or a cup final or something like that. So, um, you know, Holby was up and down uh the team uh power play was up and down mostly down <clears throat> penalty kill was a bright spot all season um but you know i think maybe some of the personalities and the player side of things were not happy with him i wouldn't be surprised um you have Ovechkin going into a contract negotiation here I wouldn't be surprised if that has something to do with it. Um there's a lot of different things going on and swirling about around the uh the caps uh internet fandom whatever we want to call it.
2: <laughs> so do you think uh do you think coaching is a factor in in more in playoffs than it is in regular season? Because I mean, you look at that caps team and they're pretty stacked. So I mean, so that's I, I know where... the playoffs are a different bear, so i I, th- I think coaching comes has to come into play a lot more in the playoffs than it does in regular season,
1: yeah, I think you can argue both ways. I think you can argue that um they 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 have a heavy influence into player matchups because when you're in seven game series right you're if if I'm a third line uh you know checking winger i'm probably going to be going up against you know the the top line or the second line of the other team every night right for seven right. nights potentially um and that matchup's really important and the coach has to you know keep an eye on that and make sure that you know his players are deployed at the right time against the right players and and all of that good stuff um certain amount of in-game tactics, you know, we we were just talking about, you know, power play uh, breakout and, and entries and things like that. Yeah, they have a lot of influence over that, although you don't get a lot of practice time in playoffs to kind of fix those things.
2: Especially um, the bubble,
1: right? So, well, yeah, right. In the <laughs> bubble, right, like there's compressed schedule. So you're definitely mm-hmm. playing every other night. And it's in a lot of cases like we're seeing in, in Tampa Bay Boston series where they're going back to back in games uh, two and three. Right. So right. Um, there's there's no you're not going to have that dedicated practice time to, like, fix things as a coach, um, you know, on your on your breakouts or how you traverse neutral zone or or, you know, how you, um, you know, make tweaks to your power play that might be struggling or whatever. Uh the other side of that is like it's the playoffs like the players have been playing hockey at this level all their life to get to the point where they can compete for a stanley cup if you're not getting yourself prepared and motivated to go do that uh there's a problem and that that's where i think a lot of people look at like well we saw like on instagram like Ovi was working out like an animal and even Kolvachuk was working out like he was working out with, uh, uh, the guy who trained, uh, George St. Pierre, I think the UFC dude, or, or one of those guys anyway, it was an MMA trainer doing these crazy workouts, like to get himself ready and in shape for the playoffs. Um, but you don't see that from everybody. And you don't really know what that means. I mean, everybody on social media puts out the best picture of themselves possible. Um, So, uh, <laughs> you know, were they really ready to play? Were they really in it physically? And then were they really in it mentally? There was a AP article um, today or yesterday uh, about, you know, bubble fatigue and about how, it is it is mentally challenging for these guys to go into that environment and then have to perform at a level to try and compete and and win a Stanley Cup. I mean that that takes it takes a lot on its own. Um, you know, Rick Bonus, the head coach at uh, at Dallas, was saying that he he was observing on his own team on the Stars and on the teams that they played against so far
0: oh yeah there, i saw that article that's there were, that was a there great
1: were, read that there were he feels like he observed mental lapses in games uh that were a direct result of bubble fatigue
0: yeah um it makes sense i mean I, we talked about it off the podcast before but like you were saying, like, when you're you're on a two week vacation, and towards the end, you're like, I just want to go home, right, God, man?
1: Like, like yeah, you it's... could be in the coolest place in the world,
0: but <laughs> right. you know, it's like, well, it's day day twelve. I wouldn't mind being at the house right now,
1: right? Like... <laughs> I, I look I look at it that way, and then I also look, I I also look at it too, like like these guys are pros, right? This is their job, this is their career, this is a business trip, right? A business trip—it's work. If if you go on a business trip for four or five days, and you can only be in the hotel, or you can only be at wherever—like you're probably going to a meeting or something or whatever it is—you can only be in that office space or in your hotel, and you can only be around your coworkers, right? Right. So most people they go on a business trip, it's like four or five days and they go home. Okay, you could probably deal with that. Probably on Thursday you're getting a little squirrely and you're done with these people. Sure. These guys have been in for a month now. Yeah. Right. I you know, I, I think I think there's I think there's some truth to this bubble fatigue idea yep. that, that
0: war of attrition
1: yeah the guys are just yeah they're they are they're well, getting a little crazy,
2: and especially <laughs> a team like we were you know we were kind of talking, and I made mention of it last week, you know, kind of Dallas, their roster, they've had trouble scoring goals all season, no yeah. one knows why, power play, even strength, yeah. however, and even in the first round, I was like, they don't score goals, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I can tell you. And then game six, after going down three donut, they decided, hey, um, we're here in this bubble. I guess we'll stay longer. And then they, yeah. they kicked it into gear and they've carried it over into the AV series. And yeah, there's a little bit of puck luck involved, but they're doing everything correctly to get those goals. And they were yeah. doing it prior, but it is interesting now. Oh, they got the puck luck. And kind of what you were yeah. saying, Riggs, where they're like, "Oh, we can only go to the, you know, the little training facilities or the soccer stadium." That's on a schedule too. Yeah. It's not even like they're like, "Yeah, oh, it's yeah. moving on yeah. a day off." Yeah. How about it's we do yard time? It's like, yeah, yeah it's yeah. Our, it's, yeah. Our, yeah. Our, uh, it's your prison. Yeah. prison it's, it's your yard time. It's like, but yeah, Shawshank Penitentiary. Yeah,
1: and, <laughs> and even even again, Rick Rick Bonus mentioned that he said, you know, we 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 worked with the they had to work with the league to set up this time in Edmonton to go over to the CFL stadium and like play soccer and ultimate frisbee and like all this stuff like, like and and the reason why they did it is because they wanted to get outside in the sunlight and fresh air and be away from the bubble environment like it literally was prison yard time. <laughs> it was yard time. <laughs> and 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 going along with the prison theme, uh in that some of the same, players have
0: said that. In that it feels same like that.
1: AP article, uh Stan Bowman with the Blackhawks, GM of Blackhawks, right? He he specifically referenced the bubble as a prison like environment. That's how <laughs> these guys are looking at it when they're a little, inside. A
2: little better amenities though. I mean Well yeah. I mean like better. they got their Starbucks, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Tim Hortons, Tim Horton's for Hort. Like, yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: But it I, I think it does wear on Unlimited
0: Tim bits. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and I that you know what that lends itself to the uh, whole where the players in shape discussion, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, like, uh, I, I think too, and we kind of we talked a little bit about it last week about you know what happens next season. Also, uh, then there was a tweet from John Shannon today saying that there's a proposal on the table between the union and the league about bubble format for the 2020-21 season, uh, basically saying that expand it from two bubble cities to four bubble cities, maybe all in Canada, maybe not, uh, and then doing this weird like eight-game rotation thing <laughs> where mm-hmm. teams would rotate around the four c- cities and play like eight games in in one city and then move to the next or something like that. Um I I don't know, like hearing some of this stuff about bubble fatigue. I don't know, like if the players are going to go. For I don't think they're going to do
0: it. No, but I guess that's a topic for another time. So I guess let's go ahead and call it a night here. We'll be back next week. Uh, we'll probably post again on uh, Wednesday, again next week. Hopefully, talking about more teams than just Toronto. So, thanks everybody for listening. We'll catch you next week.